the granddaddy of them all, the biggest report of the year, the big kahuna. People have been calling it all of those things and more this past week, but certainly the biggest in terms of volume of information, my heavens, but most relevant, most impact on the markets, eh, I don't know, we'll let Coley and Kavanaugh suss that out for us. And of course, the guys are brought to you as usual by the Allen County Farm Bureau. The Farm Bureau right now is all hands on deck at the State House for the latest session to represent the interests of Indiana farm families. And they're going to be in town at the Fort Wayne Farm Show this next week. Your membership supports all that the Farm Bureau does. So go online and consider becoming a member. Go online to itpaystobeamember.org. David, you and I connected right after the report came out. You gave us a few of the numbers, and I think that some of the most interesting ones, certainly the corn and soybean numbers here in the U.S., some of the ones that most farmers here in the Midwest are paying very close attention to. And, you know, we said at the very outset that the USDA usually delivers a few surprises, and they definitely surprised us in terms of expectations on those numbers, David. They sure did. I mean, where's the winter wheat that was planted this year? That was the big surprise. Down 6% on the total winter wheat acres. Well, yeah, go on from there because mainly that was hurt by the uh, hard red winter wheat being cut back. But what's really interesting about this report is that we do have a much bigger corn crop than we thought on less acreage. And we got a much bigger bean crop on less acreage here in the U.S. Plus China, the world ending stocks of corn were up because China's production was up 12 billion. And where else in the world does anybody else grow that much corn at one time? So to try and give you what's coming, and that is to watch South America because the weather down there is preeminent for growing that new corn and bean sap, especially with the safrina corn. But the main focus here definitely is much more corn and much more soybean. Yeah, John, people have been so fixed on South America here recently. And the numbers that people have been arguing about this Brazilian soybean crop to no end. People talking about dropping down below 150 and people talking about the uh, mid 140s. And here we get a number from USDA. 157 on that Brazilian soybean crop. Yeah, and that's not a very big surprise because most analysts have been looking at that Brazilian soybean crop in the vicinity of around 158. So come out of 157 is, is uh, not a, a horrible shock at all. But we're all over the board on this Brazilian crop. And I'd just like to point out that we're just now getting into the time of the season with the bulk of the, of the Brazilian uh, bean crop. Remember, uh, Brazil's a huge country. And there's a quite a range in territory where they grow the soybeans. Now, the northern part of, the, of uh, Brazil is doing a little bit of harvesting, but you're talking about less than 3% of the production. So it really doesn't count so much. The yields have not been very good there. The problem area also has been Mato Grosso. But then again, there's reports come out of Mato Grosso that there's some pretty good bean yields that are, that are developing. So the bottom line is, it's the key time for growing the Brazilian beans for most of that crop is now to the end of February. We can't jump the gun. And I'm going to come back and say Brazil weather has improved. So therefore, I'm not sure this crop is going to get a whole lot worse from now. Now that remains to be seen. But people aren't paying attention to Argentina because what Brazil is losing is being made up in Argentina, which has got a bumper crop coming on. And you're looking at producing more than twice as many soybeans last year and almost double the corn production. So those gains are offsetting whatever losses are in Brazil. Bottom line is simple. At the moment, South America appears to have plentiful supplies of corn and soybeans, particularly soybeans coming in the next year. It's not a problem. Well, but David, I think, you know, the thing is, is that the conversation inside of the trade has been such that there's a lot of conversation about 152 and 150 and 
John makes a good point, you know, about the Argentina crop. But part of the conversation with that Brazilian crop, David, tell me if you heard any of that. Some are saying, yeah, they're having better weather now, but there's been some damage done to that. Then back to John's point, a little bit early yet. Way too early. Folks, you don't call the South American crops on January the 12th. Look at Argentina's crop number, 54.78 on corn, a year ago, 34. And look for the bean crop, 48.87, and a year ago, 25. The thing I keep hearing over and over again is Argentina's crop is much bigger, as like John said. Look at the comparison. Brazil's 125.33 last year was 137 on the corn and on the beans, 156.26. And last year was 160. And the big hue and cry I was hearing out of Brazil is that they ran out of seed beans. Because all the beans that were planted in these areas that were droughty, they wanted to replant them, and they couldn't even get seed beans to put them into the dry areas. But I think the thing we have to come to grips with is that we see ahead the demand increasing because we keep looking at the prices going lower and lower and lower, but you keep seeing these little dibs and drags, you know, people starting to buy it. But at some point, they're going to get smart and look at the Brazilian and Argentina crop and say, hey, I know their crops look a little better, but we've got to get something bought just like China did. Remember when China was buying not long ago? I think we're just going to have to look at the demand side of this market. And I'm glad you brought that up, David, because you had talked about demand in terms of this report and saying there were some good advances both in ethanol and in feed use. Yep, and corn. Yes, absolutely. Because you even cut the acreage on corn that was harvested. You increased the yield, yeah, up to 177.3, a huge number there. But then you increase both that feed usage and the ethanol demand, that shows good news for the corn market. Can I throw a little water on your fire there, David? Because did you check the world carryout numbers for corn versus <laughs> last month? You I was a little bit taken aback by that because the estimate for the 23-24 world carryout on corn is 300 and 25 million tons. And that's up. The average guess was 313. And back in December, it was 315. The market was actually looking for it to go down a little bit, and it went up 10 million tons. That was my point. I said China's crop was increased more than anybody else. That made the world crop of corn higher because of the Chinese crop being higher. So yeah, that's you know, a surprise. That yeah, that's, yeah, that's not exactly <laughs> helpful, is it? No, it's not. And they've been talking, rumored as to needing more corn for feed usage. But now they're cutting it back because they have more corn than what they need at this mm. point. So I mean, we get delusions so many times about world demand. And we get these stories that we believe in, and all of a sudden they turn into ghosts and they go away. Well, you know, one of the things we're celebrating, obviously, we need to get this out there before we run out of time, and that is, hey, state of Indiana, we broke some records. Oh, no kidding. Indiana corn yield 203 from November 200. That was a record that was up 1.5. And Ohio, 198 from 195. That was also up 1.5, a new record. So, here in the Eastern Corn Belt, Indiana and Ohio are going gangbusters raising corn. Yeah, this is a fantastic year for Indiana and Ohio when it comes to growing corn and soybeans as well, because soybeans also hit a record in each state. Yes, that's very impressive. But back to demand for just a second here. Export sales this week were kind of puny again. However, we're still pretty much on pace to hit the USDA objective on both corn and soybeans for the marketing year. One part is lacking. I just want to point out China. From the United States, to date, marketing year to date, China has only bought 533 million bushels from the U.S. versus a year ago, 757 million bushels. 
That's down 30% from a year ago. That's yep. China. China alone. <laughs> yep. Wow. I knew that China was not buying as much soybeans in the U.S., but guys, that's pretty discouraging. Or, David, do you think there's a chance, looking at the optimistic side, that China is going to end up taking as many beans in the U.S. as they did last year, and therefore we got a lot of buying ahead of us? I'm looking forward to that because we look at demand for wheat. We're going to be importing wheat, they're saying now, because of the very, very small, hard red wheat crops. But we're going to be exporting more beans definitely to China, other countries too. Because, you know, if you notice on the weekly sales, the Netherlands buys uh, beans and Spain was the big buyer a week ago. So that continues to show me the European demand for our soybeans is much better than it's ever been. Well, we talk about demand and and the global demand, definitely, it's, it's a huge part of the equation. But I, I got to feel optimistic about the numbers that you've been talking about in terms of the advances in ethanol and feed use. Obviously, USDA a lot of time uses that as kind of their slush fund to balance their books out. I'm just hoping that on the ethanol, (laughs) that that is definitely going to be the case. And on feed use as well, which kind of turning our attentions now to the weather that's been happening where some of the hardest hit by drought here in the U.S. are now starting to get some uh, replenishment of moisture in their areas, and that goes directly to pasture land and what that means for livestock. And it sounds like, at least on the beef side, David, the conversation has been recently about expanding herds that got so decimated during the drought. Because you're looking at less hard winter wheat planting, definitely so, because the pastures are improving, the farmers are going to put more what they call the feeders out there, because they want to get them on the grass, especially with their mothers, and that makes for a nice turnaround when they come into the feedlots because they're really on feed not that long a time compared to when on the pastures. And when you got pasture land, boy, do you put the cows and the calves out on them. That cuts back your winter wheat acreage, definitely. And talk briefly about the pork market because hogs, man, they've been in a very tight trading range lately. And man, I tell you what, I've been seeing some great prices at the grocery store. Yeah. And, you know, the Super Bowl's coming up. I wonder how many pork items are going to be on the table then. And I'm telling you, the demand for pork is holding up better than I expected. I thought it would start to fall after Christmas, and it hasn't. And the really important news there is that we're really, really doing as much as we can to keep the supply of pork to the grocery stores. And the price is, you can't even call it competitive. It's so cheap relative to beef when you go in the grocery store and compare prices. Yeah, well, that's okay. You're trying to tell me the price of the food is coming down? Pork is. (laughs) Not totally. (laughs) Not chicken wings. Super Bowl and chicken wings are pretty much synonymous. Okay, we're at that point where (laughs) we got to go. It's going to be so much more for us to talk about at the Fort Wayne Farm Show. So make sure you come out to the first session that's on Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock. And we're going to be able to uh, really peel back all of the levels of this. But for now, it's time for the final word with Mr. John Kavanaugh. Well, speaking of demand, and I'm going to put out here something that's a little bit optimistic. We talked about how the USDA increased the amount of corn to be used for ethanol because uh, production so far has exceeded expectations. And kind of adding to that, something interesting that Hertz Rent-A-Car. A couple of years ago, they bought somewhere in the vicinity of over 100,000 electric vehicles anticipating big demand for the EVs. Well, it hasn't happened. The public doesn't want them. For the most part, they're, they're shying away from renting the EVs. And so with demand being so poor for the EVs, Hertz has come out and said they're going to sell at least 22,000, maybe more of these EVs because they can't rent them. And I've heard that from other directions in terms of EV sales starting to take a turn down people are getting skeptical. Bottom line on this is that's good for corn for ethanol demand. 
Coley and Kavanaugh, made possible by support from the Allen County Farm Bureau, your local Indiana Farm Bureau's support Indiana agriculture. And I mean in every way, from the classroom programs for kids to political action, like the work they're doing right now at the State House during the current session to make sure lawmakers know the important issues to Hoosier farm families, and to some of the sessions that are going on at this coming week's Fort Wayne Farm Show. When you support the Farm Bureau with a membership, you're supporting the farmers that feed us. So consider a membership. Go online to itpaystobeamember.org. Podcasts by Federated Media.